1: I know what you're trying to say, baby. You're trying to say, oh, yeah, it's business time. Out That's all part of it. That's foreplay. Foreplay is very important. Then you go I'm Rob Black talking stock- money investing, stocks, foreplay. and more. Joining me now, Dr. Still Jeff pre- Rosen, pre- Briefing.com, Chief Market, or not Market, Chief Economist. Uh, blending titles there on you. It's about to make you the market strategist economist. Uh, how are you doing, Mr. Rosen?
2: Oh, pretty good of yourself.
1: I'm doing well. Um, U.S. first quarter slowdown, less severe than estimated. The economic slowdown earlier this year was less severe than previously estimated. Do you look back at revisions of GDP and put weight on them?
2: Not too much. What I care more is how the trends are looking. And, you know, the Q1 data out of all the reports is probably the least useful in terms of the third estimate because when the Q2 data is released next month, you're going to get the annual revisions, which mean that the third estimate will be revised a fourth time. <laughs> so, I mean, it tells us what we know now, but you know, in three weeks, we're going to have even more inclusive information. So, okay. not only is data, you know, back, you know, looking back on history, but it's also not the most accurate of data.
1: Any data out today or recent that you find? positive, anything you're looking at? Not, it doesn't have to be positive. Anything that's come out recently that's caught your eye?
2: Yeah, the the home sales numbers yesterday were very impressive. Uh, new home sales reached a, a seven-year high, which was nice. Uh, my understanding or my forecast in the beginning of the year for home sales is not this optimistic, so it's nice to see that things are, are trending in a uh, in a much more positive direction than I anticipated. The question now is, is this a stable move or is this an interest rate move? You know, we've seen the 10-year move up uh, quite a bit over the last you know, month or so, and now you have talk of a rate increase as early as September. You know, the market's still pricing it out for a December rate hike, but most economists that we've talked to think September is a more likely scenario. And if that's the case, you'd expect to see the 10-year rise even further than what we have right now, which will drive up mortgage rates. So the question is, you know, are these buyers coming in, are they – Buyers that would have been here all along or are these buyers that would have normally bought, you know, let's say two, three months down the line but, you know, realize that, hey, if we don't get in now, we're going to end up with a, uh, a mortgage rate that may or not, may not be affordable or I need to buy, you know, I can get a, afford a bigger house today than I could, you know, three months from now. And if that's the case, you, know, you may see a slowdown in sales, you know, come September when the rate hike, uh, when, when you know, when the the rate hike first appears to be uh, you know to come along. So the question, you know, we really want to look at is is the stability of these numbers.
1: So the housing doing financial media, a lot of the stories that I'm seeing is it's the millennials now are starting to jump in and help out and you hear that story and you're like okay they're going to start a family, they're going to settle down, they are managing their student debt. Um, do you think the millennials are helping the economy at this point in time? Are they becoming, because the stories in the last year have t- turned from they're lazy, no good, self righteous brats to now they're starting to save in their 401k. Now they're starting to buy homes. Are the millennials starting to become a factor, do you think?
2: Yeah, you know, I think every new, quote, generation starts off as, you know, a brat to the older generation. <laughs> okay. You were just saying the same thing about Generation X and, and everything else you know it's the conservative ideology that you get when you get older that uh you know in the the rose colored glasses of looking at your own youth thinking that you did more than than what you were uh, you know what the current generation's doing realistically things are, are doing relatively the same the question is you know are the the spending habits of what they're buying is that going to be the same you know are they buying the same type of goods that you know my parents bought or you know that my children will be buying and it's that frustration because it's they're not buying the same thing you know they're spending more money on on items that you know, weren't around you know apps and, and music that you know the way the systems are doing today just isn't the same so if you're an old school or you know a large company that's been in the past you know people aren't buying your, your stuff anymore because you're not selling something that they want to buy so that's the frustration. The frustration isn't necessarily that they're not buying things. It's that they're not buying what people expected them to buy.
1: Ford just came out and said, you know, we've been studying what consumers want for the last months, and one of the things they're going to try is a pilot program where I can buy a car, and to offset my cost, I can rent it to you on the weekends. And it's very millennial. Now, I'm not a millennial. I'm not going that direction. They yeah, I would love a $600 BMW month payment if I can get you to cover $200 to $400 of it. Um, I like the idea. Does that factor into you as an economist that, like, car sales aren't going to be traditional old car sales going forward if ideas like Ford, what they're pushing forward, actually go into place?
2: I mean, the idea is would that person be buying a car in the first place? You know, if they – If they were not buy a car because, let's say, they live in the city and they have the available mass transit, so they're not really needing a car, but for the right opportune price, they're willing to pay for it. So in that case, there is no loss. You know, the the fact is that the $200 that they'd be spending on mass transit, they're spending on, you know, the weekend usage of your car. Not really. I mean, where there'll be changes is if you can have a perfect substitute where, you go to work, you know, nine to five, and someone goes to work, uh, you know, five to three in the morning, let's say, and you can buy the car and have it while you're, at work, you know, for your job, and then someone can take it over from you. And instead of having two cars, now you only need one because two people are, are sharing the car as perfect substitutes. But um, you know, I don't know much about Ford's plan. I don't know how it will work and whatnot but you know that would be the economic implication just renting it for a weekend whatnot isn't much different than you know zip cars or whatnot
1: okay what else is out in the world of the economy are you seeing any problems with inflation starting to
2: crop up no not at all i mean that's i think the the big frustrating point that uh, the fed is having is that yeah, you know, they've been expecting inflation. As they expect, you know, the labor market to be tighter. You know, we're seeing an unemployment rate of five and a half percent. You know, you have job openings that are at you know all-time highs. Now we have to put that in quotes because you know it's only been around the, the data set's only been around since uh, I want to say 2002. But um, you know, you would seem to think that if there's all these job openings, that businesses would be wanting to fill these jobs, and if they can't fill these jobs because of You know some underlying factor. You know normally that means you have to raise wages in order to find the person that could fit your, you know, what what you're looking for. And so far we're not seeing it. You know you have core inflation growth in the CPI at uh, 0.1 percent in the last month. Year over year it's I think 1.7 or 1.8. The Fed's CPI implied target, because CPI runs about a half percentage point below their uh, PC metric, is two and a half percent. So you're almost you know, a full point below what the uh, Fed is hoping to have as their target level. And we're not seeing pressure. You know, if you look at the price lines on the on the producer side, you know, it, it's barely anything. I mean, core producer prices are, are flat. And if you look at down the pipeline, if you go to the intermediate goods and the, and the crude good areas, I mean, it's just bad. So there's no pressure to to see inflation. And right now, wages aren't moving as fast as that we expected. So the inflation aspect of economic growth is just not there.
1: When we look back with the Federal Reserve and the last six or seven years, will we look at them and say they created a stock market bubble, a housing bubble, or did they get us through a tough economic time where we were patient and we created enough jobs that supported the
2: stock market as well as the real estate market? You know, I think the Fed has done everything that it can do. And what it okay. can do is not much once you're up against the zero bound. You know, realistically, quantitative easing was never going to be the, you know, magic bullet to get everything back together. And when you get down to this point, you know, and the IMF has shown this through research, you know, the, what you need is a fiscal stimulus plan. And we didn't get it. You know, we got the opposite. We got austerity. And the problem with that is that you know, with a multiplier that's above one, meaning that when you, every dollar that you add adds more than $1 to uh, economic growth. And that happens when you're at the zero bound. And this is what the IMF has found. You know, that's the way of, of producing economic gains. That's the way of getting out of a recession when the monetary policy has no practical impact. And we didn't get that. So the Fed did it all it can, and I think that if anybody's going to look back in history, you know, 50 years from now, I think they're going to blame the government for not providing the spark that needed to be provided.
1: Anything else that you're working on? I'm speaking with Dr. Jeff Rosen, chief Briefing.com. Fantastic insights. Um, I start my day with the page one, but I do get to your your, um, articles as well. Anything that you're working on that you can maybe leak a little bit right now?
2: Yeah, I mean, just looking at uh, consumption trends, trying to see what's going on. And what I really want to know is, you know, what I allude to in the beginning of, of our talk, uh, you know, how does a change in interest rate, what, what sectors is that going to impact in terms of consumption? We know that it's going to pull spending forward if when people realize that, you know, it's going to cost more in the future. So the question is, which durable type goods are we going to see? Are we going to see a pickup in auto sales? We've had auto sales above $17 million. You know, which is pretty fantastic. You know, can it get even higher than that? You know, is it going to be a lasting increase in home sales? Are we finally going to see this to be the the instigator? You know, that's the interesting part.
1: Thanks very much. It's Dr. Jeff Rosen with briefing.com, chief economist. His articles are so easy to digest. And if you fear economists, you shouldn't because you kind of need to have that feel of how the economy is going if you're going to be involved in your 401k with confidence or if you're going to invest for the long term. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at robblack.com. Find him online at briefing.com.